Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And when you get it all, just remember one thing. Remember one thing. One man could change the world. Big Sean. Yeah, Big Sean. I like that. One man can change the world. I'm sitting here with my producer, Tanya Joseph. Tanya, if you had to pick one city in the U.S. that's consistently the punchline of many a joke, what would you say it is? Mm, Let's think about it. Maybe Newark? (laughs) Yeah, Newark, New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, that's a close maybe third, but... Come on. It's Cleveland, hands down. Now, you guys all know I'm a big Cleveland defender. I worked at News Channel 5 there in the 90s. Even though I'm from L.A., I'm still the biggest Cleveland Browns fan. I love me some Cleveland. But if you take it beyond the jokes, there is one American city that has been knocked down and dragged out so many times in a very serious way that it's kind of amazing it's still standing and on the map, a city that you know, you guys have known this has struggled, but also persevered through race riots in the 40s and then the 60s, urban decay, violence, declining population, and that would be Detroit. In 2013, I don't know if you remember this, Detroit filed for the largest municipal bankruptcy in U.S. history. But believe it or not, it was yet another disastrous headline around that time that inspired one son of Detroit to launch what has become the totem that's inspiring the entire city. I am thrilled to introduce to you the founder and creator of Lifestyle Brand, Detroit versus Everybody, Tommy Walker. Tommy, how are you? I am well today. I am well. How about you today? I'm great. Thanks so much for coming on Everyone Talks to Liz. We love these inspirational stories. I mean, how capitalism and success sprout and grow under very difficult circumstances. But um, I got to tell you, you know how I found you? Uh, Our makeup artist at Fox, Brandilyn, um, she's from Michigan. And one day she says, have you heard about Detroit versus everybody? And I said, right away, I knew I got I got to find these people. Uh, So they're talking about you in New York, Tommy. Wow. Thanks, (laughs) Brandilyn. We love stories of success and, you know, how you grow under difficult circumstances. But yours is particularly fascinating. You literally carved out what is now a major apparel and licensing business after a single lightning bolt moment in your adult life. But let's go back a little bit here. You're born and raised in Detroit, right? Yes, ma'am. Born and raised in Detroit. Uh, Product of Detroit Public Schools. Um, Even did a few years of college in a a college that is uh, located in the, the heart of the city. Describe the Detroit you grew up in during the late 80s. You know, I always like to... I always like to explain, you know, how Detroit was during my childhood. See, I was born in 86, so um, we got to see, like, my generation. I, I remember it might have been, you know, four four to six summers where you witnessed all the kids being outside playing, playing uh, 
touch football or pick them up, mess them up, as we call it. And then, you know, everybody uh, um, playing games and running around, being on bicycles. It was about six, four, six, four to six summers where everyone started migrating inside. So it's like my generation was, I feel like, the last to really experience um, that part of life. You know, like, you know, my, you, know you, you hear stories from your parents and your grandparents sure. and their entire life was 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 outside in the world but i feel like this generation my generation was that that turning point from outside to inside so i think that okay now growing up in detroit um it was a very eye-opening situation now from the outside looking in uh detroit has been painted as a place that you want to stay away from, okay? Now, in my, uh, in my childhood, you don't really understand. You don't know why. You know, you don't know why this is, this is happening. You know, there's certain places where you have to stay away from. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your parents say, don't go. You know that, hey, I know that as soon as the streetlights come on, I have to be inside. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I know that my, my parents went outside of their way, went out of their way to make sure that I was put in, a um a uh one of the best schools you know um out of detroit and 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 there are really only a handful you know there are there are three to four schools that um actually produce um uh, how can i say it graduates, uh, produce you know. produce graduates yes mm-hmm. but they're like magnet schools that they're called sure. to where to where um, it, it produces an, uh, a, a student that thinks on a, on a higher level, not just coasting him through the the school system. Um, so I'm a graduate of Cass Technical High School, so uh, and my mother is an educator. So um, by the grace of God, I was placed in in those in those type of situations. Now, I do want to say that I believe that coming up in my in my childhood, in my coming up as a, a Detroiter, my entire youth. There was a lot of positive that was that didn't get any press whatsoever. Sure. Mm-hmm. Got none, you know. There, like this entire, uh, I might be, be uh, you know, we might be talking about this a little bit later, but this entire cre- um, creative boom, everything that's going on in the city of Detroit, had been going on for five to ten years before it got any press, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as a growing up. I believe that it was just you had to be cautious, just like you had to be anywhere where you anywhere where you live. You know. Well, when did the artist in you awaken? The artist in me awakened. So my mother is a a, a teacher. She taught um, K through five science, and um, I have a sister who's four years older than me. Now, my mother will always put me into these different programs. Uh, one of them was DAPSEP. It's a, a program for like engineering and. Um, where you were, I was exposed to many different things. You know, um, she put me in arts and crafts, where I remember we always had to do paper mache. She put me in ballet, tap, and jazz, as well as football, baseball, and karate. So early on, I was putting that, putting my hands in a lot of things, seeing what I what I liked. I didn't know what I was doing at the time. You know what I'm saying? But sure. That's what I was doing. Now, um, I just remember some of the earliest feelings of joy and happiness I had was when, when my sister and I were doing um, uh, paper mache projects, you know, and then I start, and then as we go into, as I, as I go into school and 
Um, I'm in school. I, I find I realized that the only class that I'm excited to get to is art class. You know, I go to college and it's like the only the only class I'm interested in is art history. You know, um, I'm learning about these different artists on my own. And um, then when I got to college or before college in high school, I, I, I came across digital design. You know, and, and I, I said, wow, wow, this is my thing. That I knew that was my thing when I was introduced to, to Illustrator and, and branding, and um, and then it began it began from there. But as an early, as a very early, uh, very early on, doing paper mache projects, and I really, really shined during the science fair. That was my time. Well, science, but, uh, science is yeah. in a way an art and and for the two it of is. them to mix you you hear a lot of scientists yeah. who are art collectors uh, do you did you have yeah. a favorite artist growing up somebody that you went and looked at in museums yeah yeah my favorite artist is ron muick he makes these hyper realistic very large and very small painting i mean um sculptures mm-hmm. of uh of human beings and of um of uh, uh imaginary uh imaginary characters and he tells these stories, and it's like they, if you were to be in the presence of them, they look they look real. Like it's just amazing how he breathes life into these sculptures. Rom Ewick, he started off as a sci-fi um, artist, and then he branched off into his own career. Right. We're not done yet. We'll be back in a moment. I know a lot of you have had this experience because for those of us who in 2020 were all sent home and we were stuck in a lockdown during the pandemic, we had a lot of time on our hands and I saw an ad for Masterclass and I thought, I want to better myself. I want access to all of these brilliant people who teach you things. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with more than 200 plus of the world's best and smartest. For just under 10 bucks a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And I don't care, you can wake up one morning and say, I want to learn about business. And then another where you say, I want to learn how to survive in the wild if I have no water and no fire to make me warm. You can access Masterclass on your phone, on your computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. And the classes totally make a difference. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Liz. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Liz. Masterclass.com slash Liz. Let's get to the moment. Tell us Mm -hmm. about the lightning bolt moment as an adult this moment yeah. that gave birth to Detroit versus everybody. Where were you and what happened? Okay. So now, <laughs> early on, I was now as a, in high school. I mean, okay, so I did two years at Wayne State University. Mm-hmm. Okay, after those two years, I, dro- I dropped out so that I could fully focus on my entrepreneurial ideas. Now, uh, I was already in, in, in school in, at that time being outsourced by Interscope, Def Jam, Jive. I actually branded uh, Big Sean. I did his uh, introduction to the world. I did his logo, his website, uh, cover art. Wow. I did projects. I was doing projects. I was in college, you know, doing projects with Eminem, Interscope, Def Jam, um, Yellow Wolf. It was so many artists, uh, Wale, that I was working with at this time as I was in school. And I remember being in class, not being able to, to, to take calls from the label 
for projects because I was in class. Um, <laughs> so you said, so, I'm out of here. I already got my business. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm out of here. You know, I, I actually, I had a, a um, very young uh, counselor, you know, uh, when you, you know, um, school counselor, and he was actually in the world. He was able to, to, he's actually current of what was going on, what I was doing. He said, man, you know, I wouldn't say this. Make sure you don't tell your parents that I said this. Man. He said, <laughs> He said, he said, man, but you got something special. You know what I mean? Like, school will be here. You know, follow follow your dream. How'd your mom take it? Your mom is an educator, and you say, Mom, I'm dropping let, out of Wayne State. Let me tell you something. My mother didn't know until it was, <laughs> until wow. until we had, we had already, you know, I don't even think I ever told her. I think she just figured it out because. <laughs> I just decided and I just did it and continued to go. Like my mother was one. I, I was I was working with all these high profile artists, and I'm telling my mom and she has no idea. I'm like, she didn't care unless it was Luther Vandross or Michael Jackson. <laughs> I say I say Big Sean. I say Wale. She said, you know, well, how was class? Like, like what, what, like, what about Earth, Wind, and Fire, <laughs> darling? You know, ex- exactly. <laughs> um, so I ne- I didn't tell her. I just did what I needed to do, and. Uh, and then it began to snowball. So now, on a trip to California um, to meet with Interscope, around the time of our mayor, so our mayor, Kwame Kilpatrick, had a, a situation, uh, it was a scandal, a big deal in Detroit. 2008, and he was convicted of perjury, obstruction of justice, wire and mail fraud, mm-hmm. racketeering. It was a huge deal. So you can imagine how huge it was to, in the city of Detroit. Now, that's 2008, so to still see it going on, uh, it was still going on 2011, 2012, Correct. the end of it. And um, I remember flying, a, flying to L.A. I remember getting off of the plane. Now, the first, when I got off the plane and I went to, to, to get my rental, the first billboard I saw was Eminem. This might have been my second time in L.A. I, uh, this billboard that I saw was uh, Eminem. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, wow, that's cool. He's a Detroiter. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then I drive to the hotel, get to the hotel, turn on the TV, and I see Kwame. <laughs> and and it blew, it just really blew my mind to see them in California, you know, a couple thousand miles away from home, discuss what's going on back at the city with the same enthusiasm as they are back at home, this, you know, months after. It just really made me think. It brought the idea of how important Detroit is in the grand scheme of things. Indeed. When the mayor was mm-hmm. convicted, he was sentenced to 28 years in federal prison, and, and that was a particularly low moment. The financial yeah. crisis had nearly destroyed the, the Michigan auto industry. GM had to be bailed out by the U.S. government. Chrysler was about to go bankrupt. Right in the middle of all yeah. of this nightmare, Detroit's facing economic collapse, and the mayor is using his city-issued credit card to charge thousands of dollars worth of spa massages, extravagant dining, wine. You know, you'd have to forgive some people for shaking their heads and saying, well, what do you expect? Detroit's been such a quagmire, such a difficult situation for so long. But you took it in a different way. Yes. So at that moment, I realized, I said, you know, um, this narrative is old. And, and at that time, I was getting a lot of attention from the music industry from, uh, from my design work. And I also had, uh, had not so long ago um, purchased a failing screen printing company just because I wanted to offer more services to my customers mm-hmm. other than just design, website, and, um, and, 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 and um, 
That's it. And, you know, consultation. Yep. So we purchased this, 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 this. So we were already tooled up for it. So I'm thinking to myself, on a, when I got back home, I remember the day I was driving to my apartment, and a chip started was 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 growing on my shoulder because I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow. There's so much positive going on in the city in the city of Detroit. There's so much positivity. Like I said, the creative boom that's going on was not getting being recognized at that time. And I'm like, well, what can I do? Like, there's a saying that I always say that, which is, don't complain, contribute. At what point does the? Of course, you have to to mull over the problem to locate it. But I found that a lot of people have a hard time pivoting into into problem solving mm-hmm. other than just harping over the problem. So at what point do you stop harping over the problem and act? And I thought to myself, what can I do? You know, uh, uh, what can I do as in my power to try to change the narrative and say the truth from a true perspective of a true Detroiter, what can I do? And I remember driving down the street and bam, Detroit versus everybody. It just literally just popped popped into my head. And at that moment, I turned around. I went I went home. And I sat down in front of the computer. It took me about two weeks to come up with it. And, and from that point, I shed a tear. I knew I had it. I knew that I had it. And um, I went to went to the um, the screen printing machine, which I was actually sharing a sharing an apartment um, a, a loft with. <laughs> he was sleeping in the same loft that the old print machine was in. Unbelievable. I was sleeping in it. Yeah, yeah. Right now we have we have we just grew we just expanded to a ten thousand square foot warehouse and um, that machine it was a four it's a, a four um, station six color press we've we've upgraded we have about four other presses and an automatic press we've upgraded but that machine Hoppy is uh is still <laughs> still there you got a name for it well Hoppy, so Hoppy isn't going anywhere so you come up with Detroit versus everybody. And then yes. it starts. T-shirts yes. and and today you've got the mugs and the pillows, comforters. But how did you get the word out? It snowballed. So um, actually, one of my friends who was an entertainer was over that night when we um, when I made the first the first sample. I had a whole plan in my head about how we were going to make this sample, shoot this sample, and then um, you know get it out to the influencers, promote it. But he said, "Hey, let me wear this tonight in my performance." I said, "Okay." He took that. He took it. He performed it, and he came back shirtless. He said, "Hey, man." <laughs> he, said, he said, "He said, he said, hey, man, this is." He said, "This is gonna work." He said, "Do you mind if I give a couple of people your number?" He said, um, "To get the to get the uh, the shirt." I said, "No, I don't mind." He gave him the number. The next the next morning, they called, and out of our loft, um, he was about a. 600 square foot loft out of our loft in um, downtown Detroit. People slowly began began coming in and purchasing t-shirts and hoodies. Oh my goodness! And then you got to get to the names. Was there one particular name in the music industry who puts this thing on, gets up on stage or is photographed in it, and suddenly forget about it? You got a million orders. Yes, it was it was Keith Urban. Really? Keith Urban, let me tell you, let me tell you, one day we get this cryptic phone call in the morning and they just call me on my cell. I don't even know how they got my cell phone number. They call me on my cell and they said, 
make sure you watch American Idol tonight. <gasps> just like just like that. Make sure you watch American Idol tonight. I say, okay. I say, who is this? You know, and they hung up. Just <laughs> <laughs> like that. Just like that. I say, I, I say, okay, well, we had just moved into our first location, which is which was in uh, downtown Detroit, four hundred Monroe. It got a little it got a little a little dangerous selling the uh the, the tees and hoodies out of my loft. So um we got a little uh three hundred square foot off uh store. Okay. In that store we had a TV. So I'm I say, Hey guys, we got to watch American Idol tonight. <laughs> so we got to, we got there and turned on the television and surely uh Keith Urban came out. You know, introduced Keith Urban. He came out in a Detroit versus everybody uh Burgundy T shirt. We didn't even sell that Burgundy T shirt at that at that time. But I, I, but again, but we did the next morning. We had <laughs> wait. Did you start screaming? It started. Started. It was the most amazing moment. You know what I mean? It was like, uh, and we were very appreciative and grateful to Keith Urban, his camp. You know, um, he had they actually bought a white one and um, dyed it, dyed it burgundy. Yeah, and uh, it was just really, it was really cool. So yeah, Keith Urban, and we, uh, and it we just really picked up steam and began just really snowballing uh, nationally. Well, to the national point, you've made a deal with Fanatics, one of the most popular yeah. uh, apparel companies that has a deal with every team. Yes. yes. I mean, we I could see this thing totally snowballing to Cleveland versus everybody. <laughs> it's not going to be Beverly Hills versus everybody, but I could see a lot of, well, I guess knockoffs. That must be a well, problem. You trademarked it, right? We trademark Detroit versus everybody as well as versus everybody. Oh, good. So, my, yeah, we have we are, we are fighting that the good fight every every day. Every day, we're, we're have you had to sue anybody? An infringement. Uh, we've had a few situations. Yes, they all all came out um, positive for us. And I, I sit back at night and I think to myself how sad I would be if I never trademarked it. Oh my god. I just think about how sad I would be. Were you but, shocked yeah. it wasn't already taken? Yeah, yeah. When we got when it came through, when we came through and actually uh, got our serial number, that it was that was a crazy day because it, it, like I still look at the certificate now and I say, "Wow, I own the words versus everybody." You know what I mean? Like I just it just really it, it's a uh, it's crazy. Like to me, that's the, it, like it's, it's the same thing. It's like owning the word the. You know, it just <laughs> kind of is. Uh, yeah. Exactly. I, I mean, let's hope that doesn't go to the Supreme Court because somebody might challenge right. it. How can he own verses? How can he own everybody? Right. But together, it has become this incredible. I, I called it a totem, but it's almost like a movement. You know, I remember because yeah. I was a local news girl and I worked in Cleveland and Columbus and Boston. I was obsessed with Bill Bontz, who was the main anchor at WXYZ in Detroit, and he was known in our industry. And he had this stand up and tell him you're from Detroit saying that got a mm -hmm. lot of people riled up and supportive of the city. But this is almost a movement, is it not? It is. Um, stand up and tell him you're from Detroit. Oh, that, yeah, uh, yeah. You're going to run and try and trademark that one, too, aren't you? <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> <laughs> After that, to write that down. Um, <laughs> Google Bill Bonds. <laughs> I will. No, I remember. I remember Bill Bonds. Yeah, he was a big deal. Yeah, he was a very he is, big deal. Yeah. They just recently did it. He was just in an episode of the Detroiters show. Oh, okay. Uh, that comes on Comedy Central. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's 
it's all these people who have been very supportive of Detroit, whether it was artists yeah. like Eminem or, you know, Big Sean, Danny Brown, Dej Loaf, all of those. But uh, but how do you see this growing and expanding? OK, so um, we are entering phase two, which is from Detroit to everybody. We present to you versus everybody. Earlier, you said like um, it reckon it. it brings on the underdog energy, like an underdog mentality. Yeah. And um, I think that this brand resonates with every single human being on this planet because every single human being has a time in their life in which they feel as if um, they, are against, they are against everybody. Yeah. Or the, everybody's know? against them, you know, the world against me. Kind the of world thing. against Exactly. You know, everyone feels that sentiment um, versus everybody is a very cool way to say it. It is. And, Can I interrupt uh, you here? I just realized yeah. this. You know, it's me against the world is sort of pathetic, but mm-hmm. me versus everybody, Detroit versus everybody, the Cleveland Browns versus everybody. Sorry, I'm the big <laughs> Cleveland person here. I can, um, that puts... The person standing alone but ready to fight. That's what I'm envisioning in the way you yeah. structure this. Yeah, it's uh, you can't. It's uh, you can, there is no gray area. You're either with us or against us. That was the that was the sentiment thinking about the city of Detroit. I'm like, well, you know, th- of course, this brand is bigger than Detroit, but the but it was born out of the energy of Detroit. You know, and that's why I think that um, just seeing the success that we've had in other markets with it um, is one of those things to where everybody looks at and they wish that it was theirs. And it's like everybody looks at it and they, because of that, um, they respect it. And I'm wondering, as you look toward the future, Mm -hmm. I think our listeners really need to hear what a single idea has done. How many people do you employ today? Today we employ... About 30, 32. Wow. Now, you had a few brick-and-mortar stores. You scaled that down. Why? Because you found that yeah. uh, the website was a better way of dealing with it? Uh, we just switching our our, uh, our business model. We have 2020 is a year of many su- surprises that I really can't speak of right now. Okay. Um, but we had some moves, um, and that was just part of, of us um, pivoting into our, our new goals. But I can say that um yes with our with our brick and mortar we 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 just closed the uh you know the ones that that weren't performing okay. as well as as uh you know the other ones that we kept open how's detroit today detroit today is a blank canvas for all it's a it is a great place to come um if you are interested in building you know what i'm saying like if you if you're interested in building family if you're interested in building business um, Detroit is a great place. It's a great tra- place to come. It's a, it is also a place that um, I found the interesting part is that you can come become you can come here and be part of the story. You know what I mean? Like it, it is it's it's open to where if someone wants to come, they can come and actually um, make a change. Um, and it's just looking up. It's looking up. Detroit is is, is turning into um, something that is that I want to say it, ha- it hasn't been bef- it hasn't been before. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
hasn't hasn't been before. So my final question to you is, as you look at your life, mm-hmm. tell me what you would say to an entrepreneur or a would-be designer or somebody with a single idea who's really having trouble putting gas in the engine, really having trouble getting it started. What is that one characteristic you feel you had that you pushed that has made you the success you are today? Oh, I can tell you that it is the ability to look at the ugly truths. I think I think that that is it because you know how they always say, like you know, my mother used to always say, "God can't bless a lie," and and, and I and that always stuck with me. And I always used to wonder why, why, why. And it's like if you if if you give them a uh, if you if you're not honest with the starting point, you know, if if, if I need if I need a, if I need a hundred thousand dollars and and I'm and I'm too embarrassed to ask for a hundred thousand dollars and I ask for twenty dollars, then that doesn't help me. But hey, if I'm you know honest and truthful and I say, well, hey, I need a hundred thousand dollars, then if I can be helped, then I'm actually going to be able to be helped. Does that make sense? Well, I think what I'm hearing you say is. Just fight through the difficult times. You'll get a lot of no's. But when you're honest and you're you're proving to people that you will make it worth their while, the yeses will start to come. Yes. No. No, Liz. That wasn't what I was going for. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I say I say more so to ask yourself the hard questions like, ah. is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And I believe that if you are honest with yourself then you can find what it is that you're trying that you're supposed to be doing for you because you know the the main thing to me i think that is just happy just happiness and joy and peace i find joy and peace and just building just just actual the actual building process Mm. is uh, is uh, is the joy every day we just uh Previously, in the previous week, we just interviewed um, Mark Randolph, who's the co-founder and the first CEO of Netflix. And he said, I almost loved the process way more than the gigantic pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. He remembered being in beach chairs because they couldn't afford furniture in their first office and that nobody thought that their idea of sending DVDs through the mail would ever work. And he said, I loved the process. Yes, I I totally identify with them. And I also think that I also think that that is a part of the blessing as well to have that mentality of of loving the work um, because of how much work that it takes. You're right. One foot in front of the other. And uh, it's it's never just handed to you. And I am so thrilled you reached out, grabbed that idea out of the ether and came Mm -hmm. up with it and. I love it. Detroit versus everybody. Check out the website. I want the purple one with the light blue writing. I saw that on the website. I said, I need that. (laughs) We got you. (laughs) Good luck to you, Tommy. Good luck. And keep us posted. We're thrilled for you. And it's a wonderful story. And and gang, you're welcome. This is what we do here on Everyone Talks to Liz. We want these stories to prove that, that no great success really comes easily. And Tommy is a perfect example of that. But he's sticking true to his childhood, his childhood city, and what he feels is right. And he's making money doing it. Thanks so much for joining us on Everyone Talks to Liz. And don't forget, you got to, once you make the money, 
preserve the money, grow the money. So you got to watch my show Monday through Friday, the Clayman Countdown, the final all-important hour of trade. We'll see you and hear you the next time. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.